Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. This is going to be our last episode on this little mini-series we've done on Psalm 118. Language is one of the most powerful ways that our brain, our physical brain, perceives and understands, interprets what's happening in our life circumstances. So when we live our lives, our brain is perceiving what's happening. And so liturgies, that's a religious word, but liturgies are memorable phrases that we tell ourselves that help us interpret life. The more powerfully worded liturgies we say to ourselves shape our lives by telling us the story we're in. They tell us what is happening and why it is happening and how we're to respond. And God has given us powerful liturgies in the scriptures that we can use to say a quick prayer or speak truth to ourselves or to others. And and that's what has been the benefit to me over the years, 40 plus years, that I've been using scripture to pray over time, you, you can imagine, I've got these little liturgies in my brain that I use when I am having to say a quick prayer or something at night to calm myself down if I'm dealing with worry or anxiety or just something that I need to say to somebody really quickly that needs to hear something to help them interpret their circumstances. Or even in my own life, just something I say to sort of like I've said to you before, and it's actually a verse in Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, something's happened. I'm unsure what's going to unfold today. I'm unsure what's ahead of me. And if I can remind myself of God's sovereignty, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I'm going to be glad in God's presence. I'm going to be glad in God's control and sovereignty over my day. I'm going to have a shalom even in the midst of uncertain circumstances. That's a liturgy. That's a that's a powerfully worded phrase to recalibrate, re-narrate my perspective of the story that's happening that's unfolding right now. Now, modern neuroscience shows us that our brain is constantly rewiring. This is called neuroplasticity. I can't really quite pronounce it for some reason. The S has tripped me up, but I've got it in your show notes. There's a hyperlink to it. Building new neural pathways is what that is. Your brain is constantly building new circuits that make thought patterns and behaviors more routine and easier to repeat. Sometimes we've called this muscle memory, but it's really just rewiring the brain that makes a new behavior easier to do, to repeat. The more we repeat it, the better we are at it. Our neural pathways shape our very lives. They shape how we respond to our circumstances. They shape how we respond in our lives to thought patterns and people's comments and the things that happen to us what our reaction is going to be. And so neuroscience with all the MRI imaging and these kinds of things is just learning these things. And so we can see actually new neural pathways develop in the brain through repetition. And 
the kind of things that enhance that happening. At repetition of things that we do and see and say, that's the most powerful way to rewire neural pathways in our brain. What we see, what we do, what we say has more of an effect in reshaping our brain wiring than just passively thinking thoughts. It's something more active in using our bodies and that creates new neural pathways. And this has huge implications when it comes to our habits, habits of things that we allow ourselves to watch habits of things that we allow ourselves to say, say to family members, our spouse, our kids, allow ourselves to say at work, they literally hardwire our brains. Of course, the Bible has always been way ahead of this for thousands of years. It's always been here, always teaching this. And so, for example, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And here it is, by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, you'll be able to interpret life according to God's goodness and his pleasing, perfect will by your mind being renewed. And we need our mind renewed, our brain renewed from the pattern of this world. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, the Bible has been telling us that the things that we think about are actually shaping the things that we're going to think about. The Bible has been here all along by telling us that what we think about will shape our mind, how our mind functions, how our speech will naturally just react to people and what we'll say, and how we'll interpret things in, in light of God's will and God's goodness and who God is. We now know that our speech is a huge factor in this. This is why complainers who allow themselves to complain and speak negatively and slander and gossip all the time, become people who are more and more unhappy. And over time, you can see it actually shape their physical bodies. Their their face is shaped by the shaping of the wiring of their brain. When they become complaining, negative, gossiping, slanderous, negative people, it actually starts to show up in their face as, as they grow older. You can just see it on their face. They're literally hardwiring their brain to always criticize and see circumstances and to see people negatively. And of course, they become more and more unhappy. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3.8, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now that's an old 2000 year old biblical way of saying your brain is literally being rewired by not doing the kinds of things that have wired it up until now. Letting yourself have fits of anger, rage, malice toward people, speaking slander, filthy language, and and lying. Taking off the old self with its practices and putting on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, 
being renewed in the mind, being renewed in the brain wiring in the image of its creator. This is why I think Jesus emphasized in in a really serious place in the Bible, the power of our words. And he warned against speaking words carelessly in Matthew 12, 34. Jesus says, how can you who are evil? Now, Jesus was unsettling because when he was talking, he always called us evil. And I think that's because God sees the brokenness of our condition and how far we have fallen from what he has intended us and originally created humanity to be. And so even though we do have good and we are being renewed by the Holy Spirit to goodness, that we have evil in everything we do. We have self-centeredness. We have destructive thoughts in the sense of negative, critical, complaining untrusting thoughts toward God, toward others. And this is an evil. This is a non-reality according to who God really is. And so that's what Jesus calls evil. So how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So stored up is this idea, I think, of our mind, how our brain thinks. And so Jesus says in verse 36, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Another translation says every careless word that they have spoken. Jesus is trying to warn us that the words that we say have a powerful impact on the evil or the good that's going to be stored up in us. And it's going to affect how we speak in the future. That's, I think, a real picturesque way of talking about neuroplasticity, how our brain pathways are being formed by our speech, and it creates how we think, how we talk, what we say. And so James says in James 3, 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So this is a really heavy verse, right? I mean, this is like a super heavy Bible kind of verse. Again, directed at the power of our tongue to shape. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. This is trying to bring the most dramatic, picturesque, imaginative language possible to say, be very careful how you speak because it affects your whole body. It affects your whole self. It shapes who you become and therefore shapes how you will be, how you will speak, who you will be. And be careful. So what we say, especially repeatedly, repetition of words, liturgies, powerfully build new neural pathways. We know this because we can see it happening in neural studies. The culture has its own liturgies, you might say. Like, for example, you only live once, or it doesn't get much better than this, or you deserve to be selfish. Be true to yourself. Live by your truth. Believe in yourself. These are cultural liturgies. And really, when you think about it, all of them are designed to get us to be selfish, to get us to focus on ourselves, to get us to have this sense of being self-serving, self-centered. In that sense, they are very anti-truth of the gospel. 
biblical liturgies are phrases written by the Holy Spirit that we latch on to in order to better rehearse the story our life is in and repetition spoken out loud, and they are powerful in shaping our brain, the neural pathways of our brain. What the Bible says is renewing our mind and setting the course of one's life. And I've personally seen the power of these liturgies shape my life. They shape my response in a fight with my wife. They shape my response when I'm worried about my kids. They shape my response when I feel insecure in my job in some way, threatened in some way by circumstances in life. And so, for example, for me, Psalm 91.2, that the phrase, now I don't always remember what psalm it is and what verse it is. I just remember the phrases But the phrase says, I will say to Yahweh, I will say to the Lord, I will say to he is, and here it is, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now that's an easy phrase. I'm not going to remember what psalm, what verse, but I can remember to say, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. I can remember those phrases and I can say a quick prayer and I can have this sense of recalibrating my life, going vertical in a horizontal circumstance, quickly just going vertical through a liturgy, a biblical liturgy given to me by the Holy Spirit that's helping renew my mind and literally rewiring neural pathways so that this kind of thinking becomes more natural. It becomes more intuitive because of repetition. I'm renewing my mind rather than being conformed to the liturgies of this world. We learned liturgies when we were kids, when our parents said, I just want you to be happy. That's a liturgy. I just want to be happy. I just need to be happy. And so I hear people say, I just want to be happy. God just wants me to be happy. And there is some truth in that. Happiness, joy is a fruit of God's will in our lives, but it's not the goal. Anytime you aim at something like happiness, you'll never hit it. It's a byproduct of aiming at something else. And so when I just want to be happy becomes a cultural, parental, installed liturgy that our brain brings up, it always leads us down a path that's for sure not going to bring happiness. But biblical liturgies do bring happiness because we're not shooting for happiness. We're shooting to take our lives vertical in the reality that brings happiness. You are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. This is what I'm trying to do in this podcast is give us liturgies like this from the scriptures that have been powerful in my life over the years. And particularly that I'm trying to do it by putting us into the bigger story that God has for us so that we can interpret our lives within the story that our lives are in and make sure we stay in that story and how we respond in our circumstances. This is what I'm trying to do in this podcast. And I've said it before in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, and we all who contemplate the Lord's glory. Now that's a, a brain thing, right? To contemplate, to meditate, to think about. We contemplate the Lord's glory. Our being, here's that word again, transformed 
into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of religious language there, but it's basically saying as we think about and meditate on and speak the liturgies of God's glory— and the glory of the bigger story, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That's a Bible's way of saying neuroplasticity. We're literally changing. We're transforming more and more with living a life in ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a way to have a quiet time with God, to reflect on and to recalibrate our brain, the wiring in our brain, to dwell upon the truths of God given to us by the Holy Spirit, to become more cognitively aware and spiritually awakened to the reality of who God is and God's presence and power and promises in our life. That's what it means to go vertical. Liturgies help us to go vertical. They help our brain be wired to think more vertically. And since we've been looking through Psalm 118 in recent episodes, I want to find some powerful liturgies there. And we're going to do that in the next episode. We're going to go through now and and finish up Psalm 118 by finding the powerful liturgies there that have helped me throughout the years and that have become memorable phrases, powerful phrases that literally rewire my brain. We'll do that in the next episode. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.